1: Hello everyone. Happy Friday again. We're thrilled to have you back with us. Actually, there's all kinds of stuff going on as always, but there's stuff going on that we're related to that isn't even us. We're going to post the link to our friends at RSR. Oh, yeah, right. Who, when we were there, they said, hey, guys, would you help us shoot a little video real quick? And I thought, what do you need us for? So they actually kind of included us in a piece they were already shooting about the GT4 RS and the GT3 uh, that they have and renting them and what they're like on track and on street since we'd just done both. So they just posted that piece. We will post the links to that. It's a pretty cool piece because I was surprised to see, I didn't know this, Costas, who's their shooter, who's awesome. We've posted some of his photos from this year, which are great. I didn't realize he was shooting, like, B-roll behind the scenes stuff mm-hmm. as we were having mm-hmm. our pilgrimage. trip, yeah. So we're talking to people on the trip. So there's some cool stuff in there like that. So that's happened in addition to the stuff that we're making. What a great segue into the 2023 Porsche 911 GT3 RS lap time. Oh, this. Yes. If you uh-huh. have not heard yet,
0: mm-hmm. it finally threw down a lap time driven by Jörg Bergmeister. Six minutes, 49.328 seconds, which is unreal we knew it would be unreal but the video if you have not seen the video mm-hmm. yet it's very fascinating to watch because Jorg is trying to get a bug scraped off his windshield and constantly fiddling with this drag reduction system and uh-huh. the suspension and yeah. just calmly he's shooting around the track he's a
1: calmly busy busy
0: guy <laughs> it yeah. was awesome to watch but what was cool is after you and i had the bicycling adventure the mountain biking adventure yeah, yeah. around the ring with yeah. ron mm-hmm. we were talking about various corners we would stop mm-hmm. and see it from a different perspective And then explain the school line, the normal line, Uh and then the race car line. And for various corners, they are very different. And I saw evidence of that in this video. I would see him take what is clearly not normal people's lines through these these corners. It was fascinating to see. Anyway, it was just amazing. The the car doesn't... It's got 16 more horsepower than the GT3, but it's all that arrow. Well,
1: and it's keep this in mind. That is two seconds slower than the GT2 RS, but the GT2 RS is turbo and 700 something horsepower. So it has nearly 200 more horsepower than this GT3 RS. The GT3 RS pulls off this magic because of all the crazy downforce and York sitting in there hitting all the dials, York playing the, with the steering wheel, and, and also yeah. the fact that it's York. All of these things are factors, but the fact that here's a naturally aspirated car that got within that close of the GT2 RS, which of course could blow it out in a straight line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's sure. that is quite an accomplishment, and it is it's fascinating to me to watch those professional lines when they're getting the times, because I've driven the track enough, both as a real person and also as a sim. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To recognize everything that's being done, but at some point, invariably, about halfway through these laps for me, it just becomes a game. It just becomes a video game. Just like it doesn't even feel real anymore. They're going so quickly, you you really can't tell. It's it's a shit It really is. Body. Yeah.
0: Well, I desperately want one. <laughs> and, <laughs> Do you? Okay. All right. And with all this era, all this stuff going on for Porsche for for buyers. You're not going to drive this in actual races, even though it's Mm. almost a race car. Mm. It's not a cup car, and the cup cars are lighter, and they actually have more aero, and they're quite a bit faster, which is crazy to think. So it's still sort of like a street-ish car, but if you buy one of these, you have to take it to the track. And for any, say, rental company that Mm. might possibly get one,
1: (laughs) Porsche has just built a rental car. That's crazy. I, I, well, and it's going to wind up at the Starbucks in L.A. You know it is. It is. It's going to wind up in the people that have the 9-11 collections. They know who they are, that drive them around L.A. and talk about how awesome they are. It's going to end up in those collections, which is the last place it should be, is in traffic in Beverly Hills. <laughs> That's the last place it should be.
0: If you're a Wall Street Journal reader, Dan Neal is an excellent automotive writer for Wall Street Journal, and he described the rear wing as a pommel horse. <laughs> it looks like it. <laughs> yes. The, the internal mosh pit of the engine and yes. what it was doing. It was fantastically well written. So there's also another car that was just revealed the 2023 BMW M2. And I would like to start out by saying okay. it doesn't have teeth. It does I will, not. I will take kidneys over teeth any day. Absolutely.
1: There's no beaver teeth on it anywhere, which is wonderful. I will
0: take this car. I don't particularly love the <laughs> rectangular openings for cooling, even though they are entirely functional. So form in this case mm-hmm. follows function And if we all keep that in mind while we're looking at it... Then you'll try mm-hmm. to relieve yourself that, okay, it's really just about the cooling and the inlets and the aero and, you know, they've tested it in wind tunnels. The
1: holes in the front are the least of my worries with this design.
0: I, it's the least it's, of my worries. It's busy. It's wider car mm-hmm. all the way around, 453 horsepower, which is a lot. Yeah. But well, you remember the big 406 box. pound-feet of torque. Oh, my gosh. You remember that's the big lot.
1: box fenders on the old Audi rally cars? Yeah, see, that's why I don't mind it. That's I actually, that, that looked really cool. The, the thing about this to me is that I, and I'm not the design guy, but the thing about it that really strikes me is people have been posting pictures of the prior BMW M2 CS and this new M2 mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and the, the new M2 to me, and I haven't seen it in person, of course, but it looks unfinished. It looks like they're headed in a really cool direction, but we're not done yet. I feel like detailing. It sense. The, the uh, feel like the detailing or the stuff that kind of gives everything fine lines. That pass hasn't been done. This feels like shape. Okay? <laughs> and you look at the M2CS and it feels like we actually have this is a defined line and this is a defined shape. This feels like it almost feels like the real M2 slightly out of focus. Just the tiniest bit out of focus. So they didn't dip
0: it in the developer, is what you're saying.
1: Everything just got a little bit softer than it actually should be. And so it's Mm -hmm. not quite baked yet, or not quite done yet. Every time I look at them, I'm like, there's some cool stuff. Like, I like the box fender idea. I like some of the stuff that's going on. I'm waiting for the final version. That's how it looks to me. Sadly,
0: I think this is the final version. (laughs) What's crazy (laughs) is there's going to be the competition, maybe the CS version after this, with more, better, bigger, because more numbers, But this M2 has nearly 100 more horsepower than the first M2. You're right, yeah. What I do love and appreciate, though, is that BMW is building this car. It comes with a 6-speed manual transmission. Rear wheel drive. Rear wheel drive, mm-hmm. a twin turbo. It's not just twin power, it is now two turbos mm-hmm. in there making power. They're probably sandbagging on the numbers again. So it's BMW a lot. is the best
1: at that. Whatever that number says, that number is the situation in the worst possible condition. That means it's probably closer to 500. Like, horsepower. Add
0: about 17% to that number at maybe. least. Maybe. Yeah. But they are so dedicated to the art of drifting. And have drift meters. By the way, the interior is very different. It's got the updated screen, updated interior, which I think is really successful. I've kind of been wondering. I I felt like the current BMW interiors were too much of a, a slight iteration on the theme that made it look old quickly. This looks futuristic. It looks new. It doesn't have the hood over the instrument panel anymore, over the gauge cluster. It's just a single long screen. Mm -hmm. I think that has been successful for Hyundai, Mercedes, and now here BMW is doing it. But I like that they're dedicated to just drifting, beating on your car. Go beat on this thing. It's what it's for. And they're showing these things on track. So much like Gazoo Racing from Toyota, who is dedicated to tracking their cars and selling them based on that, BMW, and this is not new, but they're, Doubling down, which is good. Yes. They're not abandoning this section of the market and this part of enthusiast driving. So that is a good thing, despite what you think about the styling. I, I think I'm going to like it better in person. I think so too. I mean, I, I, ultimately. Know,
1: it depends a lot on the photos. And like the photos in studio, I feel like look a lot worse than the photos outdoors. The photos outdoors look significantly better. I love that it doesn't have beaver teeth. I, I don't mind all the intakes in the front. Give me intakes. I have no issue with that. There, there's some, some really cool ideas here. I just, I hope that I like it better in person. I, I think I will. I think you and I both
0: will. And then, of course, we'll drive it. I'm, I'm guessing it'll be brilliant. But the only thing that is holding me back is the weight of this thing. Yeah. Even though I know it's going to be overcome by all of BMW's trickery. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of amazing technology packed in this car. We identified on the i4 when we drove that. Yeah, yeah. They go to such lengths. And then the weight is just over 3,800 pounds. Mm-hmm. It just, I
1: feel like it's too heavy. We're headed into GTR weight territory. Yes. For the M2. That It's a small car. It's supposed to well, be. Well, it started out as a small car. Yeah, it was originally car. intended to be a
0: small car. Yeah. And <laughs> the wheelbase grew, and the fenders are huge. It's 1.6 inch wider, inches wider in the front, I think. And it's, you know, same track as the M4. It's almost the M4 weight. Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> Why? But I wonder, I continually wonder if doing this with the current two series and the new M2 means, mm. is there going to be a smaller, lighter driver's car from BMW? It'd be nice. Have they heard? Have Are they listening? I keep mm. banging the drum. Do all the people movers, do all the electric eye, whatever's and this manual, tiny mm-hmm. four cylinder inline six. Don't care. Something sports car over here that's well-priced, well-sorted, that's your dichotomy from
1: BMW. I think they're in a unique position, kind of like what Ford is doing right now, to split the company. And to actually have, here's all our people mover electric focus stuff, and here's the stuff that plays to our history and to driving. I think they are in a unique spot to actually be selling both and theoretically keep selling internal combustion engines for a while. Yes. But also have stuff that is focused on driving. They are are one of the rare companies that I think is in a situation where they actually could do that, and it would make some sense. I'm very curious to see what they'll do.
0: Last video that is dropping this week is the 2022 CX-50 from Mazda. Mm Mm-hmm which is close to the CX-5. We took it on and off-road, and that is dropping on our test drive channel as of today.
1: We took it off-road because it has body cladding. So if you haven't it seen it It has cladding yet, in off-road mode. Since it has off-road mode, which is brown, by the way, and it has body cladding, it, we have to take it off-road. Of course, we did, it's not like we went rock crawling in this thing because it's no. not really what it's for. So we took that, enjoyed that. That's on the test drive channel. When you remember a car that you're interested in
0: or you hear us debate a particular vehicle here on the podcast, you need a way to search for it. Our friends at autotempest.com will help you find your next car wherever it's hiding, local, nationwide, big listings, or little
1: ones. And since you're listening to this podcast, you're probably the person your friends and everyone in your family consults when they're going for their next car purchase. And even with sponsorships like this one, the folks at Autotempest rely on word of mouth, so let your friends know that this is the secret weapon. Autotempest.com slash everyday links you to nationwide listings from Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace, too, so it enables you to search beyond the limited distances those sites often support. When you're doing your drive homework, you're chasing
0: the next family car, or you've got the fear of missing out, go to autotempest.com slash everyday so they know that we sent you. Autotempest. All the cars, one search. First debate comes from Mike H. in Colorado Springs, who is being forced to be responsible and start (laughs) adulting. No, you aren't. (laughs) No, there's there's really never a time. Anyway, yeah. Mike, we do think you should go on the pilgrimage with us. Definitely come. He's been considering for a long time. Well, Mike has always had a short commute, seven miles and
1: two stoplights. So okay. he measures his commute with stoplights. And seven miles and two stoplights, is, is, that's not exactly a dense downtown area. No, no, yeah. not really. So he's been able to get away
0: with cheap beaters that tickled his weird car funny bone. Okay. And he sends us the list of cars. He doesn't chase horsepower or lap times or clout when buying cars. He mostly enjoys cars that shouldn't exist, whether that's the Fiat 500 Bart. Or an immaculate 30-year-old Nissan that was preserved for seemingly no reason. Now, he works in sales from home, full-time. A few times a month, he drives around Colorado Springs and Denver to visit customers. He says about 500 miles a month maximum. His employer requires that he has a vehicle that meets his listed criteria, but he says it's a buzzkill because not only will that vehicle likely be boring, but expensive and depreciating more than anything he's ever owned. Well, that's because it's new. When he, your employer wants you to have a newer vehicle, which means the cliff edge of depreciation and, and is closer. And also
1: it's client-friendly is the key thing. I mean, these requirements yes. are it has to have four doors and be able to seat at least three passengers. So a actual four-door, four-seat car, it has to be five years old or less or three three years old or less at time of purchase with less than 150,000 miles. So even used cars have got to exist underneath this worry. Client friendly. I like that. That's exactly what it is. That's funny. This, he can't show up in his Fiat 500 or Bart or the fun stuff he likes to drive because that isn't client friendly. Now, it may be driver friendly. It also might be budget friendly. It also, He says it also officially has to have a driver's airbag, which I have to stop because... Seriously? <laughs> is there any, there's nothing sold right now that doesn't have 15 airbags, and the driver airbag was say, the first one they mounted.
0: Like 1989, maybe? The whole reason... Okay, like I'll go this
1: far. The whole reason the Lotus Elise stopped being sold in the U.S. is because Lotus didn't want to put in a dual-stage driver's airbag. Right. They had a driver's airbag all the way back there in that tiny little car. So there's <laughs> really nothing five years old or less that won't have far more airbags than we're worried about. So that's not a problem. But it is that four doors, three passengers, and five years old or less that really restricts us. Mike's dichotomy is that he has to
0: find a car that fits these work requirements and is also fun knowing it will be need, needing to be rotated out. But he says, I could do that or get something that is even cheaper and some other fun car. So he's trying to maybe pack everything that the client requirements, mm-hmm. his personal requirements into one car or maybe just go super cheap, just deal with it. It fits the bill, four doors, something. The client and then, appliance and the fun car. And then get something else for fun. Well, he had to make this very decision in December 2021. And it was the cars he was looking for were either impossible to find or insanely priced. So we went with the appliance option. Okay. That's what we're calling it. And got himself a 2018 Volt. Hmm. And he loves it. 300 foot pounds of torque. It does burnouts. It it hasn't cost him a single dollar in maintenance, and he fills it up maybe once a month. Mm -hmm. He says the Volt was an undervalued steel at $23,000. I'm not surprised. Nobody wanted them. Agreed. He says everybody's extolled the virtues of the Generation 2 Volt, and he agrees He says it's almost free when using the EV mode for 99% of his personal use. Mm -hmm. A few gallons of gas gets him to Denver and back for work stuff, and he'd keep it until the wheels fell off if he could. He says he might try convincing his wife to use that as her daily and Mm. selling their 2016 Elantra. Sure. But then the Volt will eventually age out.
1: He'll have to go to the drawing board if he does that, if he keeps the Volt. That's because of the five-year rule. If it's a 2018, that means next year, the end of 2023, the Volt does not qualify under the work requirements anymore, even though it would be still a perfectly usable car. He
0: says he could just get a 2020 Prius Prime or something, You could. he doesn't really want to give up on the idea of consolidating his needs into one car, since 90% of his use is personal. He wishes the Focus and Fiesta hot hatches were still around, but then those last model years are too old at this point. Yeah. His personal requirements include something that won't depreciate into the ground during his limited ownership window. Say goodbye to that requirement with that (laughs) (laughs) hatchback and decent trunk opening for large or heavy pieces of work related equipment. Something that isn't terrible on gas, consumables, and maintenance. By the way, he's reimbursed $0.62.5 per mile, which is really nice. Yeah, that's
1: a pretty good reimbursement rate for sure.
0: And ultimately, something weird or quirky or unique. Like He says the Golf R, for example, is just blah to him. He doesn't need a Canyon Carver or a track car, but something quirky and not an SUV or a crossover. He's looked at Stingers and WRXs and GTIs and Golf R's. He's looked at Civic SIs and Civic Type R's. He says that R wasn't around in 2021, even though you could have gotten something used, but probably too expensive. A whole other thing, yeah. He's looked at the GR Corolla, unobtainium. <laughs> and he's looked at the Kona N, which was included recently in our drive against the Focus RS mm-hmm. and the GR Corolla. He says the NGS button seems hilarious, and his wife can drive it too. All yeah. of this is true, yeah. His past vehicles include that Abarth... Toyota pickups, Pathfinders, the aforementioned Volt. Oh, we had a Crown Victoria.
1: Mm-hmm. He had an Eddie Bauer version Explorer. I mean, there's, that's peak Ooh. 90s right there. I, I've been into the 90s, and I had this car. Well, we've got to decide here from Mike. I'm wondering if you decide
0: the Volt's going away. You've got to look at the Bolt, the Chevy Bolt. Yes, agreed. The second generation is out, and it has two flavors, the regular Bolt mm-hmm. and the EUV.
1: It's slightly bigger. Because if we put UV on the end of anything, we can claim it's a new category. This one's lifted. It's not a hatch because we don't like wagons in the U.S. Oh, gosh. I like it because you said you're not looking for cannon carving, Mm -hmm. you're looking for
0: fun. Mm -hmm. And the first gen that we drove was great. There was a lot of fun Mm -hmm. to be had in this car. And I'm wondering about the second generation because still, uh, I believe, ongoing. Uh, tax rebates.
1: I believe so. It depends on where you are and all that. It depends on how much it spends, sure. but yeah. Uh, What else? They're not a Tesla Model 3. They're not going to be ex- as expensive. True. No. And, and here's the thing. In some cases, like your Volt, because I have it on my list too, like your Volt, the Volt is not something people are rushing out to get. Mm-hmm. So you can get them MSRP or maybe even below. And the fact that you could probably just get one. Yes. You just go get yourself a bolt as, as it, it checks every single box here. And it is surprisingly fun for the same reasons you like your vault, which is pound feet of torque. Mm-hmm. That's the thing you're, you, you, that's the thing I found fascinating about the reasons you love your vault is it doesn't cost you anything and it's hilariously fast. That's really what you've told us. Well, that's the Bolt as well. Exactly. And I'm looking
0: at that because you are the candidate, I think, for a full EV, Mike, Mm -hmm. because you said 90% of your personal driving is minimal driving around town, and you just need a bit of range to go see clients once a month. So I'm wondering, what about all the non-Tesla interesting electric vehicles that are out right now, like a Mustang Mach-E? Go look at one
1: of those. True, it's a, it's a bit SUV, I think, for his taste, but it's still com- it's compelling, though. It's very compelling. I,
0: I would say drive it before you make a full, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, before you just <laughs> you are you run away because it's an SUV. Sure, yeah. And then that Hyundai Ionic. Oh yeah, I'm intrigued with that. I, mm-hmm. I like it because it isn't a Tesla, frankly. Okay, all right. I like the styling. I like that it's decent range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think in Colorado, that area, you've got enough chargers that you could start to integrate that into your life. But I do have other options and that is, well, it's one option. It's the Hyundai Elantra N really. Okay. I think that it's the right price. It's four doors. It's new. Mm -hmm. You can drive it normally Mm -hmm. or you can tear people's heads off with it. True. True. And it's manual and it comes in a spicy color. And I think, That is the car. You want a gas-powered car, I think that meets your company requirements. Mm. It stays within your budget, which I'm guessing is 30-ish, maybe, top-end, 35. It's hard to say. It
1: seems like it's between 30 and 40. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the car for you, Hyundai Elantra N. That's a good one. I have three others that I think could work for you, Mike. One is I was trying to think of, because this is client-facing, trying to think of what is an upscale sedan that nobody expects to be as fun as it is as it is. And I landed on the Genesis GV, G70. Not GV70, the G70. G70, yeah. Now, you can get that in four cylinder, but you can also get it in the really nice turboed 6, which I mean, has a you'd lot have of power. You
0: used to say the budget because the new second generation is like 50
1: grand. I think they're 50. And I don't, and we don't we don't know your budget, so we're still guessing, but that is a car that even with the big boy engine gets mid 20s miles per gallon, which is not great considering what you've had, but for how you're going to use it, though, I think you would, uh, clients would be like, this is a great car. And then you will laugh anytime it's just you. So the Genesis G70, I think, is viable. But then I thought of two hatches for you, because you like that Abarth so much. Mm. I thought of two legitimate hatches that you could buy. One is a little more upscale than the other. So how much do you want to let your car person flag fly? Okay? Because <laughs> okay. that's the, the one that is much more, I am a car person, is you buy, I know that the GR Corolla is cool, but step down. The Corolla XSE hatch in six speed manual in that crazy bright blue.
0: Glad you brought that up. I looked up the twenty twenty three XSE uh-huh. and the manual is gone. It's only the CBT anymore.
1: That's that's a tragedy. I guess yes. they decided because they did the GR Corolla it doesn't matter anymore. Probably so. Find a used XSE hatch in that blue in manual. People now that granted, that might not be stayed enough to be client facing, but if you can pull that off I love that. That blue is a blue that should come on the Corolla, mm-hmm. the GR Corolla. We hope it will at some point. The manual is solid. Watch our piece on that. that we refer to it as a lukewarm hatch. It's surprisingly fun, but yet it also is it's just a Corolla hatchback. Yeah, true. The true. other one I have that is much more upscale that I think could work for you is the Mazda 3 Turbo.
0: Oh, that's good. That's, That's really a hatchback.
1: Good. It's very classy looking. Yeah, get it in the red. It's a hatchback. It has a very nice accoutrements. The interior is very lovely. Everybody can be like, everybody can be like, oh, this is a very nice car. We can be very client facing, and we can be very normal, that kind of stuff. But that car will hoon. That it car will. is surprisingly good on a back road, and that gets in the like thirty miles per gallon range. Oh, you're right. That's so a Mazda three turbo hatch. I think is the do-it-all now. Of course, you could say golf R in here or GTI in here, those are viable options. But I think the Mazda 3 turbo hatch, that's my car for you, Mike.: I
0: like that. Mike, thanks for writing, really appreciate it. Write to us your car debates, topic Tuesdays, car conclusions, everyday driver TV at gmail.com.
1: Our friends at Haggerty are always doing something new and they've decided to have a new Haggerty Marketplace. It's your hub for buying and selling cool cars. With their reimagined classified experience, buyers can shop for vehicles for sale from the Haggerty Drivers Club members and sellers get access to millions of car lovers.
0: There's all kinds of cars on there too, so no matter what you're into, you'll find something you love. And with classifieds, there's no buyer's fees regardless of vehicle price. Whether you're looking to buy or sell, we highly suggest heading over to Haggerty Marketplace and taking a look
1: around. We know you'll love it. Our second debate is from Steve writing to us from San Francisco. He says he's in need of a car therapist. We've heard this term before. People just kind of want to lay down on the couch and talk cars and have us encourage them that it's going to be okay. Is there money to be made in Uh, this? Maybe. Could we hang out a shingle? This is pretty much what the podcast is, my friend. (laughs) This is how we're making the money on it. But maybe we need the shingle. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) he said his car plan was all set because he had a 2015 WRX and it was going to be traded in for his upcoming deposited at MSRP Audi RS3. Mm. So he had that. It was set. But then <clears throat> he was rear-ended in his other car, an all-original 1972 Porsche 914. It was in Ooh. very good condition. He's Ooh. headed ever. He was just rear-ended in that car. That car is now done, like gone, like totaled. That stinks. So sorry, sorry to hear, The question is, hang on, do I take the money from the insurance for the 914 and just go to having one car and have that RS3 when he trades in for it? Or does he go, because he goes to the track and does that kind of stuff every now and then, should he split this up and should he do like he did with the WRX, meaning buy like a base 718 Cayman is what he's eyeing, and a cheap electric car for the rest of his driving? So one car or two very different cars is Steve's therapy session. So does he divert And just stay with the Audi and and does one car, does he divert? And instead of getting the Audi, let that go and use the Audi money to have two cars again. One is the Cayman and the other is a commuter. I suppose so. Because it's clear that the WX is going to replace for the Audi. That Mm -hmm. is still the plan. It's just the fun car has been wrecked now. And his son is heartbroken, by the way. That's a bummer. Steve's Daily does need
0: to hold a car seat in the back for the three-year-old. He's sad, like you said. He only goes into work one day a week and drives the kid to daycare and has the occasional trip around the Bay Area. But other than that, Steve uses his wife's Tiguan for most stuff. On days she's in the office, he does need to be on kid duty. Okay. So he's asking one really fast Audi that can do all the things. Okay. Or a base seven eighteen and a used Chevy Bolt. Which is not a bad idea. That's True. not a bad combination. True, yes. Or something else instead of the Cayman. He does say he, Looked at GR86s. He wishes they had Brembo's. I will plug Power Stop right now because Mm -hmm. we had new rotors from Power Stop and track pads. Brilliant.
1: Yes, we did those two things. Unbelievable stopping power. Agreed. I'm glad you brought that up because that was the thing. We recently had the GR86 on some pretty serious track sessions. We did multiple sessions back to back in that car. We had high temp fluid because we knew we were going to be tracking. And we had that brake setup Paul just talked about. I don't need Brembo's. I don't, even don't anything need anything else. For, uh, the, the brakes Shockingly were phenomenally good. good. I was street, genuinely very surprised. I yeah. mean, we expect candidly, we expected. We went from the stock brakes, which everybody has said with multiple tracking sessions, these die. Mm-hmm, okay, that mm-hmm. that's been known. I mean, yep. magazines doing track tests had problems. So PowerStop sends us their performance upgrade kit, but it wasn't their track kit. It was their performance rotors and pads. Mm-hmm. We put that on the car, and yes, there was improvement, and we have that coming up in an upcoming test. But then we knew we were going to do some track days. And we mentioned to them, they said, oh, you know, for your track day, we should send, a, send you track pads. And we said, well, sure. And I didn't expect the change to be as significant as it was. It
0: wasn't slight. It was a gigantic jump in stopping power.
1: Which, which makes me go, yeah, there's no reason to discount that car because they don't have I'm sure later versions will have Brimbos. But the current version with a pad and fluid upgrade, done. And
0: Steve makes a point. He's leaning 718 Cayman instead of an older one because they can go to the track with no mods except for pads and fluid. He's doing it anyway. You're doing it right there anyway. And the 718 Caymans. as much as I want to say yes, you why not a GR86? What, I'm asking. You could upgrade whatever the electric car is. You don't have to go find the cheapest LEAF that exists on the planet. Sure, yeah. Or the cheapest I3, something like that. I do see that, but I, I don't want the Cayman to not get driven. And only Mm. be reserved in your mind for track days. And then the track days come and go. And then Mm. something else happens and you're busy. And then the car doesn't get driven. I mean, I feel like it would. Mm -hmm. But if you only had that car, yes. But the problem is you need kid transport. Yeah. No, you could put in the front seat. You know what I mean? I feel like there's too many strikes against it to just own that car. And so, of course, get the commuter electric car. But then the
1: Cayman's going to sit. I hope it doesn't. Well, the 86, sorry, I have to plug this again. The 86 does have back seats. If you don't have a passenger, that becomes a kid carry car. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I realize that's not going to be your only car anyway, but that 86 is viable. The other thing you have to consider, and I want to bring up three cars here real quick, the 86, a Miata, or a used MR2 Spyder. My point of all three of those is if you're looking for a car you can really take to drive for fun and be on track, the Cayman would be great, mm-hmm. Yeah, but the consumables will not be great. The cost of tires and brakes will scare you compared to the other three I've mentioned, the 86, the Miata, or the MR2. And that brings me back around nicely to that Audi. Do I think it's one car to rule them all? Yes, I think you could get by with just that car. The way you use it, commuting, needing a kid carrier, having fun on the street, taking to the track now and then, yes, the RS3 would be great for all of the above. Please do not send us the bill for tracking that car because (laughs) you are going to decimate tires and brakes in that. I am certain of it. Sure, sure. So I think your consumables on the the Audi and the 718 both are going to probably, to some degree, stress you out and maybe even shy you away from track work because they're going to be good on track, but they're going to be very expensive on track in just what they consume. It's
0: funny. I'm kind of of the same mindset because for your track use, I almost think you want a cheaper beater track car, it do, it's not clear how much tracking you're intending to do. True, But your priorities are clearly standing out, and that is you need something to drive around town. Mm-hmm. You're in the Bay Area. There's a lot of driving for whatever you're doing yeah. on the road. And I feel like your money should be spent on more of the commute-style car. Mm. And then the track car could be cheaper. It could be a GR86, even though those are still not cheap, and I know they're hard to find. Yeah, true. But what about, you even suggested in here, Steve, and Miata club, something yeah. like that. Yeah. I hate to go back to those cars, but you could go even cheaper. I do like your MR2 spider idea. Yeah. You could get one of those like for like 10 grand, get the nicest cheap. one out there. My concern is the amount of driving for both cars. Mm-hmm. If you're a track rat, well, of course you're going to justify the track budget and you're mm-hmm. going to go a lot and your track car will be a very different thing than just, you know what I mean? The, yeah. the one that yeah, sits yeah. in the corner. it I feel like you need to spend more of your focus, even if you get that RS3, there needs to be an additional track car. Mm. Because I was thinking about BMW competitions, something used, M2 competitions.
1: Sure, sure.
0: Same thing though. Yeah, they're built for track work, but they're going to blow through tires and brakes like you wouldn't believe. Big time. Because it's a heavier car, you're going to really get into it. They're very good on track, but you pay for it. So what about considering something different, more towards a hybrid Mm. For your commute work, for getting around town, for kid duty, that kind of thing.
1: I hate to be the guy among the two of us that brings up Porsche. However, <laughs> you don't you're, hate you're, it. You're a, you're a Porsche. Oh, I'm just saying because I'm, I'm stealing your thunder. That's all I'm saying. Because you are clearly a Porsche guy because you're nine fourteen, and now you're considering the Audi, Audi RS three. But that's a what? What are you spending on that? Sixty grand, maybe seventy.
0: Uh, not seventy. I mean, Those aren't they, 70. they
1: start at 60. So what are the extras that you've gotten? What was it going to come to hope so, they're not 70. No, I mean, I, I don't know. By the time you're all said and done and out the door, are you that close? I mean, you're certainly going to spend 60 grand on that car. Okay. So that makes me wonder about our friend, the 911. Hmm. What about a used 911? I mean, if you're really looking for the one car option and you kind of think a Cayman might be fun for track duty, then why not merge the worlds? Don't get the RS3, which again, could do it all. But don't get the RS3. Get an older 911. Get a 997 or an early 991, which has actually kind of usable back seats. Spend your sixty grand there. Mm. Now you actually have something that can do kid duty. Your son gets back into a Porsche. Daddy's fun car is back. Okay? And then when you want to track, of course you can track that car. Now we're into consumables again, but I actually think you're going to wind up in a car that is more satisfying on the track and probably every bit as good every other time. We're used... But there you go. It's interesting. That's pretty good because everybody says, and it's
0: the acronym, go to track car is the Miata. Sure. That's the low version. The high version is the 911. Sure. They both kind of do the same for what you're going after. Depends, of course, what you can afford, but... They both do kind of the same things in the categories. You need to do it all, and it can go on track. Mm-hmm. Low is Miata, high as 911, to I guess. some degree. And the
1: 911, theoretically, you've got usable back seats there. I mean, I, I knew somebody here in Park City. She drove her kids all the way up till high school. She had when she had a high schooler and a junior higher. That was when it got too hard, and she had to get another car. But all the way up until her her oldest was in high school, she drove them both to school in her 911. That's right. Not a ton of questions today, but there are some good ones in here. Akim from Germany is acknowledging that why is the grass always greener on the other side? He says uh, he in Germany, they lust after the, uh, the Nissan Z, the GR Corolla, the WRX, all the Dodges, all the Shelbys. They can't have any of those. And they're going, <laughs> why can't we have those? And we right. over here are going, wait a minute. Where's my Alpine A110? Mm -hmm. Where's my GR Yaris? Where's my updated Fiesta ST? Yes, please. I want that car for sure. The A45 AMG and all the Renaults.
0: You're right. Oh, my gosh. We we
1: can't just say that the other side gets all the fun stuff because they're complaining, too. That's a good point.
0: That's funny. On Twitter, Mr. McGillicuddy says the disappearance of glass roofs from sports and sporty cars just didn't seem like too long ago that a sunroof sunroof was available in just about everything. But now the only way to get a sunroof for a sporty car is to opt for the convertible. Other than the mild handling improvement and cheaper manufacturing, is there any other reason why they've gone away? Mm. Even a
1: target option would be welcomed in a lot of the cave-like sports and sporty cars. Some of them are pretty dark. I see. Uh, exhibit A is the Supra. It is disappointing that a lot of them don't have sunroofs. I mean, there is there is a weight and complexity. I mean, I wonder how much it would add to something like a GR86 to add a sunroof, as far as add in cost. Then you've got questions about flex and that kind of stuff. I mean, that's the whole reason the super doesn't have anything but a solid top is they're dealing with flex. I'm going to go back to, I'm going way back. I'm going back to the C3 Corvette. Oh, the Coke bottle shaped C3 Corvette very famously had T-tops. If yeah, you haven't uh-huh. seen American Original, you probably haven't heard this, uh, us say this before. Do you know why it had T-tops? I mean, the T-tops were super 80s and greatly cool and really, cool. really awesome. Do you know why it had T-tops? Because the body flex was so horrific, they couldn't put in a full target. So they had to put a crossbar in the middle, so they put in T-tops and they sold them as cool. And they are cool. But that was the whole reason that thing had to have a T-top. So there is flex to consider. I mean, let's be honest. My uh, 300ZX has T-tops, and I find them really fun. But there's body flex going on in that car. That's not nearly as stiff as some of the rest of these cars. The GR86, the second-gen 86, Toyota talked about the fact that the front end was 50% stiffer than the first-gen. Now, you didn't get in the first-gen. You said this before and think it was a noodle. But we got in the second-gen and <laughs> thought, this really is significantly stiffer. But if you, if you break the top with a target or a convertible, then you've created a whole bunch of other problems. And if you think about the Lexus LC 500, there's a car that comes in convertible form, but the convertible is catastrophically heavy because they had to put in so much bracing 4,500 pounds. Yes. They had to put in so much bracing to make the convertible work. So you are talking about structural questions that are going to raise the price and then Also, if you're making a focused sports car, how much does that change the dynamics and handling? These are all things they're worried about. I think to some degree, manufacturers are thinking, if we're going to make a sports car, let's make a sports car. If we're going to take the time, so they throw that out in interest of complexity and cost and flex. Those are great points. Mr. McGillicuddy, I have a theory.
0: Newly formed, and that is track time. If you look at the cars, starting with that C3 Corvette, Mm. It just seems like it's a fairly new thing. I'm, I'm out there on a limb. But track time associated with car manufacturers mm. advertising their streetcars, like Gazoo Racing and like BMW
1: is, sure
0: to go to the track, to mm. encourage you mm. to buy this and go to the track. I don't recall too many ads as a kid throughout the 80s and 90s Sure, sure. saying, buy this car and go to the track. I mean, Porsches were always... Kind of known for it, but they weren't nearly as hardcore as the racing versions.
1: Take your 170 horsepower V8 from the 1970s <sighs> uh, racing.
0: I mean, then it was more about drag racing. Yeah. 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 Not necessarily track time mm. and the pro- proliferation of HPDEs and driver yeah. education yeah, events and good. track time and people joining clubs specifically to go tracking mm. has definitely increased over the decades over the years mm. and car manufacturers are kind of realizing that and to your point let's build cars that are dedicated to the sport of driving I believe it was ernest hemingway that declared there are only three sports on the planet mm-hmm. bullfighting mountaineering and motor racing the rest are just games that's really a great quote i love that. so car manufacturers getting very specific even though bmw is very specific so is porsche with their targets the 4s the 2s you know what i mean yeah but Taking your your street car that can be both is kind of still new to most people. I think that's fair. Your only car, this is the one that gets you to work. It might carry the family, and I can track it like crazy?
1: Mm -hmm. Huh.
0: That's pretty exciting. That's what Miatas and 911s have always excelled at.
1: Yeah, and and the Miata is an ongoing victory for Mazda in the fact that they have built a car that is designed to be a convertible first, so it has enough of a rigidity that it can survive being a track car and also being your cruiser car. So that's amazing that they pull that off. But the, many people have actually said in lots of places that they would really consider the 86 if it came in a convertible. I've heard this before for both for both generations. Yeah. And I really wonder how difficult that might be from a chassis perspective. Extremely. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. With the way they've done the rigidity, I, I don't know if that's possible. Hmm. Maybe a Targa version because of that roll hoop that. That would certainly be simpler, and the Super deserves it because the last Super had one. Which
0: means we'd need to connect to the front windshield
1: A-pillars, so we need to bring T-tops back. It's kind of what I'm hearing. Ah, T-tops. The return of T-tops today on Everyday Driver. I like that. I like T-tops. I'm a big fan. Garrett 82 on Instagram
0: says, Everybody likes to talk about the best-sounding engines, but what are the worst-sounding engines you remember? Mm. For him, it was a Volkswagen Polo 1.0 that he rented earlier this year. It sounded like it was hurt.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's very good. I like that.
0: Unfortunately, it's pretty much everything we drive with CVTs. Mm. The CVT is the Mm -hmm. cause of the problem to Mm -hmm. make the engine sound different. It doesn't pull through each gear cleanly. It hangs out at various RPMs at RPM levels that, frankly, you don't want to hear. So from Honda Insights to pretty much anything, Subarus, anytime you think of CVT, yeah, it's the transmission that is bad, but it doesn't make the car sound fun or friendly.
1: It's like it's causing the engine to sing off key. It's just bizarre. Yeah, yeah that's an interesting point. Dumb electrician on Twitter has got a question I had to think about. The, uh, the Porsche edition, it's, the, it's very similar to the GT film we just did. It's the Cayman GT4 RS. It's the, back a little bit, the 997 GT3 RS, which we do like, and the 991.2 GT3 there's too many GT cars to keep track of. It's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, so there's a lot going on here. But his question is what are what are our favorites here track daily crush. Um what I realized is that the 997 GT3 RS is fascinating to me as a track car and not as a daily. But I would rather track the GT4 RS. That's where that car belongs. Yeah. yeah. So I'm crushing the 997 Holy cow. I'm tracking the GT4 RS because, frankly, I don't want to daily that car. It's too loud and too dedicated, but my God, it's fun on the track, which means I'm dailying the 991.2 GT3. And as much as I don't want to be that guy, that is the most daily friendly of those three. <laughs> Can you please take it to Starbucks for me? I will take it. I don't even like Starbucks. I, I will know. go through Starbucks every morning just for the laugh. Fantastic.
0: Weirdly enough, I think I'm with you because I want that GT4 RS on track. I, I need to have one of these cars in my life. There's I don't know, some, know how it's, it's really good. I don't know when it's really good. Ooh.
1: I'm going to stay on topic here. Cutler Colin on Facebook is, is he's not intending to call me out, but he's going to by accident because <laughs> he said, what is the most controversial car opinion you two have? Oh, okay. All right. All right. I will list mine, which shouldn't be that controversial, but I know that it is because of what you and I do for a living. I don't love the 911. I'm supposed to love the 911. You've mentioned this. Yeah. Journalists at large, just Take a cursory glance across automotive journalism. The 911 is a god. It's a god. Now, I am not denying. We started the podcast by talking about the new RS. I am not denying that it's a brilliant car. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not denying that it does incredible things. I'm not denying that Porsche has somehow hung on to a wrong-placed engine and made a brilliant automobile. All of these things are true. Just that alone is fascinating. Yes, it is. Our 50 years of 911 proves to all of us Paul and I have driven more 911s than most automotive journalists. Crazy to think about. And I just don't love it. Hmm. I respect it. Mm-hmm. I understand it. I just don't love it. And the funny thing is, there is a thing going on in automotive journalism where that is the holy grail, the brass ring, pick your cliche. If you're an automotive journalist, what you're really trying to do is just, I'm here to drive Porsches. Everything else, I'm going to muddle through so I can drive Porsches. Hmm. And I drive 9 and I go, yeah, impressive. Happy to get out. So funny, we talk about
0: this endlessly. It's, yeah, we it's do. hilarious. We do. I think mine at this point is that I have really started to love Maserati. <laughs> Controversial, maybe not all of their products. Big disclaimer, no. not all of them, but I am starting to appreciate the styling, the direction we're going. The MC20 has made me snap my head around, yeah. I'm kind of digging Maserati now. I kind of want a Maserati <laughs> shirt, like a real one.
1: You want a real one? Kinda. Even though the Maserati shirt is one of my all-time favorites you've ever done. I still done.
0: need to wear the Maserati shirt. It's still funny. It is. But I guess I kind of dig Maserati. And for where they're going, I'll bet you they're going to drop more cool stuff on us. Mm. It's coming. Maserati could have some driving enthusiast-related cars. Right now, the, the new GT is just that. It's not a Canyon sure. Carver. Sure, sure, it's, yeah, yeah probably just okay so i'm not saying from a driving enthusiast but i, I just i kind of have come full circle
1: <laughs> you I, really have come around or a 180 degrees on that's not full circle That's not full circle you've, opposite kept, direction, yes. right? you've turned completely around you've done a total about face
0: i mean the levante not so much but the grecale suv consideration maybe hmm i don't know <laughs> macan grecale I don't know. Really?
1: That's interesting because the Macan is excellent. The Macan is excellent. I prefer Cayenne's. Yes, I do too. But. The reason I, sorry, side note. The reason I prefer Cayenne's is because the Macan is Porsche's hatchback.
0: Just stop making SUV.
1: It's just, it's a hatchback. I feel like of all their models, that's the least
0: Porsche effort that's gone into that one. I can't say that definitively. They, it just they drive so like well, it. though.
1: They, they do. They, they, they drive do. like Porsche's hatchback. So this means we need to drive more Maseratis. That's the point. Okay. Well, I'm really glad we could take a whole podcast just to come to the conclusion that we need to drive more Maseratis. We didn't have a ton of questions today, so we're sorry about that. But the ones that we got, we really liked. And thank you for uh, allow, allowing us to, uh, to wave the flag for the things we're not supposed to say, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Looking forward to hearing from you, as always. Cheers, everyone.